First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. When you hear an orchestral piece of music like that, you automatically think Americans, you automatically think big, over the top, you immediately think the NFL, and that's what we're going to talk for the first part of this hour here on SENZ. Mark Watson with you. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. You can text us here on 8833. The wildcard playoffs are underway. One game still being played, another set to go tomorrow. number of results have been decided to talk the NFL, to talk all things American sport is Jared Cronin from SEN in Australia. Jared, good afternoon. Welcome. A very good afternoon to you, Mark. It's been uh, such a, a wonderful wild card round of playoffs this year. So uh, it's been almost as wild as uh, Auckland Harbour Bridge traffic on a Friday night. God, I can sense the passion. You love this, don't you? Oh, I do. I love it. I why? Why, love it. why do you love it? I just, uh, I think I've gotten caught into the, uh, originally I was brought into it with Michael Vick. Uh, he was the yep. first guy who introduced me to the NFL Kind of got caught on that little wild yeah. ride. And With the, the old dogs. Yeah. That's right. The old, uh, the, the, the fall from grace, as you say. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess from there, I've kind of learned a few more, a bit more of an appreciation for the, the human chess element of the game. It's, it's, uh, it's played with athletes. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, that's what it is though, isn't it? And I always say that it is basically human chess because predominantly, and this is where I think the coaches, if there's one sport where coaches are highly accountable, it is American football because really they're the ones calling the shots. There's very little level of empowerment on the field, isn't there? Absolutely. They can be really hands-on with what they're doing, albeit that they've got about a million sub-coaches for different positions and different units, but they are still uh, the, the head guy, the, the most accountable person, the, the person who takes the fall if they don't get the results. So being that hands-on every play, play after play, game after game, that's uh, that's that's another level of coaching, I think, instead of telling your boys to go out and you know give it everything for 80 minutes, you've got to be right there every play, right on it and trying to figure out what the opposition mm. is bringing at you as well. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? It's like the chess players going, okay, well, he's going to do that offensively. I'm going to set up this defensive screen and I'm going to shut that down. And yeah, they say the hardest thing in the NFL is actually learning the playbook if you're a player. Absolutely. Huge, huge playbooks. They are, they're actually more like phone books, really, some of them. And you see these players who will be able to change sides mid-season. I find those players to be incredible, uh, especially when they come into a system and uh, especially a quarterback, so the most important guy on the field. Uh, a guy like Baker Mayfield earlier in the season came on 
went to the Rams and within about 18 or 24 hours, he was on the field and playing for them. Mm. So to be able to get on the field and actually know what you're doing, uh, I'm not entirely sure he did know what he was doing uh, with that case, but he did get the win. Uh, but players like that, it, it's, a, it's astounding how much information they are able to process in such a short amount of time. Um, it, 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 it certainly wouldn't be for me, I can tell you that much. Okay, now we've got you on here because we want a level of impartiality, but of course everyone has a favourite team. So I'm going to ask you, who is your team? Uh, my favourite team is, isn't actually in the playoffs this year. That's the uh, Atlanta Falcons, uh, also known as the uh, the team that choked on a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl a few years ago against Tom Brady and the Patriots. So uh, I'm entirely impartial uh, this year during the playoffs, so I can just sit back and relax and enjoy uh, the fun and games. How did you become an Atlanta Falcons fan? Well, uh, he was, um, sorry, uh, Michael Vick was the guy. Right, uh, okay, of course, that goes right back to Michael Vick, yep. Yeah, it ended up being a, uh, what in a sense was a meaningless uh, Monday night football game back in about 2001 between the Falcons and the Bengals. And I just happened to catch this game and all in the lead up to the game, they're talking about this guy, Michael Vick, Michael Vick, this and that. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay, let's see what he can do. And then within the space of a couple of hours, I was hooked. Giving me that, uh, you know, hook it up to my veins. Let's, uh, let's get this in me every week. Okay, let's have a look at the playoffs because yesterday the San Franciscos were up against the Seattle Seahawks. Mr. Irrelevant was in action, uh, which has been a great story in itself. And Brock Purdy. Oh, he is a, a fantastic story. And I actually really like what Brock Purdy is bringing to the uh, the 49ers offense. He's bringing a real attitude and a real edge to his play. You can see the passion that he plays with. He comes out, you know, he, he makes a, a third down conversion or a touchdown throw and he's he's jumping around. He's, you know, fist pumping and just, you know, getting the crowd going and all of that. For such a young guy who, as you say, Mr. Irrelevant, you don't really expect a heck of a lot from him, but he's been able to come in. I know he's come into a great system, sure, but the fact that he's actually been able to come in and just show a lot of moxie is, I think it's actually added an extra dimension to this Niners offense. Yeah, look, I'll get you to explain to people the story around Mr. Irrelevant and the terminology Mr. Irrelevant and again, what this, why this is such a, a good story and I guess why this is such a, an, a typical American story. Yeah, so Mr. Irrelevant refers to the NFL draft. And so what happens is every year you have an NFL draft where there are seven rounds, and in theory, every team is able to pick once per round. And now that moves a little bit from year to year with different teams trading and whatnot, different draft picks. So, uh, But what happens is you get all the way through, first round, second round, third round, all the way through to the seventh round, and the last person to get picked in the draft, it's, I mean, it's still a wonderful achievement in itself to actually get drafted. But the final person who gets picked up by a team uh, is given the term Mr. Irrelevant. So uh, it's a little bit of a, uh, I guess, yeah, done in a little bit of a joking sort of sense. Um, but uh, I think, you know, in this case, what we've found is that Mr. Irrelevant has, uh, has actually shunned that tag uh, as, as this season has worn on for San Francisco. And man, oh man. Uh, they are on fire at the moment. Now, the first real big upset yesterday happened. Jacksonville Jaguars getting up over the Los Angeles Chargers. Another great story uh, coming with Trevor Lawrence, who was a superstar at Clemson University, struggled a little bit out of university, but certainly come into his own and now starting to live up to the billing and the hype that he came into the NFL with. Yeah, that's right. He came into the league with massive expectations on his shoulders, 
everyone was saying this guy's a once in a generation talent uh once in a generation prospect uh, he'd gone through with a glittering college football career so when he came to the jaguars everyone was excited as to what he was going to be able to do now the only problem with that was his first year in the league uh, was the same first year in the league that they had urban meyer as the jacksonville head coach and uh, that didn't really go well uh it didn't go well at all so uh, and poor trevor didn't really seem to learn a lot during his first season uh, but what they did is they did a massive overhaul in the offseason brought in doug peterson who is formerly of philadelphia eagles uh, super bowl winning fame he's come in he's just sorted a few things out steadied things they had a lot of cap money to spend so they went out and bought a lot of playmakers and just put them around trevor and said hey this is what we're going to get you to do we want you to learn and he's just gone from really from strength to strength he did struggle mightily in this game on sunday against the Chargers in the first quarter the first half really uh but then in the second half as they started to get going he started to really just, you know, stamp his authority on the game. And uh, and he came through, you know, with a, uh, a wonderful comeback in the end. Mm. Another big upset almost happened. And boy, there's a big rivalry and not a lot of love between these two teams. Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins. Everybody expecting the Bills to just blow the Dolphins off the park. It wasn't the case. He ended up being 34 points to 31. This, of course, uh, I guess... Be- Bills have become sort of everybody's second team with the heart attack and the big story around DeMar Hamlin. And I think quietly relieved will be the NFL that, in fact, the Bills did make it through. Yeah, absolutely. No one expected the Dolphins at all to be able to come in and and play them as tough as they had uh, because, yeah, they they were down, first of all, the starting quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, wasn't playing. Um, so he wasn't near. They had Skylar Thompson playing at quarterback, and really, he's a you know he's a bit along the lines of a Brock Purdy type player. Ended up actually playing pretty well, um, but in terms of his expectations of what he could do with this team, it wasn't a heck of a lot. Uh, but what Miami did was they came out and they defended strongly. They they managed. They gave up a few plays, sure here and there. Uh, the Buffalo Bills also maybe just missed a couple of opportunities and missed a touchdown catch earlier in the game, and just. As things wore on, they just let the Dolphins back into it a little bit, gave them a little bit of belief, and and they came on strong. But um, I actually feel that the Bills, as you say, probably for the best in terms of the, the NFL's feel-good factor that they are still alive, but they were actually quite lucky in the end because the only problem with the Dolphins uh, in the fourth quarter was the fact that they couldn't understand the time. So uh, they had all sorts of clock management issues. So I would imagine that if I'm the owner of the Miami Dolphins, I'll be giving everyone a stopwatch for the off-season to go and study. You're listening to SENZ. We're talking NFL. Jared Cronin is my guest on the program. New York Giants get up over the Minnesota Vikings by 31 points to 24. Absolutely, yeah. It was uh, another wonderful game. A huge, huge, uh, well, I guess an offensive firepower sort of game, as you would say. Uh, Daniel Jones, the, uh, the quarterback for the Giants, as well as running back Saquon Barkley. Went out there and put on a show. They're, they're a funny team. The Giants have done a wonderful effort this year under first-year coach Brian Dayball, who, incidentally enough, is the, the guy who came across um, as a head coach, and he came from Buffalo, of all places. So he knows a thing or two about getting great results out of a quarterback uh, and also getting good results on the field overall. So they just hung tough. They played really well away at Minnesota. That was a, a really gutsy performance. And even looking at the wide receivers that the Giants have got, they they got a, a few names in there, or a few no names, should I say? There was there was a couple of guys in there I didn't even recognise. So, uh, just a wonderful effort by the coaching staff to bring this team together and to really have them play tough in those tough moments. Because uh, Minnesota, 
they have a lot of uh, offensive firepower. The defense probably didn't do a great job at home, but the the Giants, a lot of credit goes to them for what they've done throughout the season and for also getting the win today because they uh, they roll on. Currently, the game that is live on here in New Zealand, you can get it, pick it up on ESP on Sky. It is the Bengals taking on the Baltimore Ravens. It is the Cincinnati Bengals as we are into the second quarter lead, but that by nine to seven. But I just want to focus a little bit on the game tomorrow. The might of the Dallas Cowboys take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And yeah, I guess this is, is this the last playoff game we are going to see Brady play? And if in fact they do exit, will he retire for sure this time if the season does come to an end for the Buccaneers? Or can you see the Buccaneers going into their indifferent season and causing a bit of an upset? Well, look, I would definitely favour the Cowboys to get the win. However, I, I wouldn't write off Tom and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, uh, for, for obvious reasons. The track record of excellence that he's had over the years and he just knows playoff football so well, does Tom. Uh, and the thing is with him as well is that the latest chat around him has actually been centering around what he's going to do next year, but none of that has been talking about him retiring. So even if the Buccaneers do go ahead and lose the game tomorrow, which is which is obviously uh, uh, very much up in the air, as we've seen with, res- with results um, so far this week, um, there could be a couple of destinations that he could look to go to and, and try and spark something else. There's been teams thrown out there like the Dolphins uh, and also the Raiders who are set to potentially go out and heavily target Tom Brady as their quarterback because they've got a few issues going on on their team. So uh, they'd love to get him and try and uh, see if they can catch lightning in a bottle the way the Bucks did a couple of seasons ago with him. Mm, okay, I'm going to ask you this then. Who, do you, who are you picking? Who are your two Super Bowl finalists? We're not going to hold you to it. I know that sport is full of upsets. If it was easy, we'd all be at the TAB. That's right. And in fact, uh, before this chat, I probably would have uh, had the uh, the Vikings get through as my NFC team. So I'm glad that timing is, has worked out well. Um, for, let's see, I, I would say go NFC form team. I'd go with the San Francisco 49ers. I'll back them to get through. And on the AFC side, I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch of the... Uh, 2020 Super Bowl. I would love to see uh, see that take place again, and um, yeah, and, and see what we could uh, expect in terms of fireworks on the field. That'd be a great matchup. And who wins it? I'll always probably lean towards the Chiefs, to be honest. Um, Mahomes is just uh, he's magic. He's won one, hasn't he? And he's lost one. He has. Yeah, he's won one, lost one, and uh, and he does some just incredible things along the way. So um, yeah, uh, that's that's my pick at this point. Lovely to have you on the program, good man. Love the passion, love the enthusiasm. We might try and do it all again at some point next week. Oh, mate, absolutely love it. I'll uh, get ready for the divisionals, do some more stretches and uh, and uh, bring the heat for you next week. Yeah, try not to, you know, try to stop smiling at some point. Just give the cheeks a little bit of a rest, Gerard. Love the passion, <laughs> Don't mate. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> love the passion. Brilliant. Thank you. Jerry Conan there, part of SEN in Australia, joining us talking all things NFL. I've got to say, have I been to an NFL game? Yes. Drove, lived in Toronto, did a postgraduate degree in sport and event marketing there, and the nearest team for Toronto was the Buffalo Bills. So I drove down to Rich Stadium in the snow and watched them play the New York Jets. And I remember going and having those, what do they call them, the um, tailgate parties that you have and everybody behaves themselves. But what's the old saying with beer? You don't buy it, you rent it. And if you have too much, you eventually end up breaking the seal and find yourself having to go to the bathroom all the time. Well, I went, I was busting to go to the toilet and I went into the urinals there and they weren't, to be fair, it was just like this giant trough with these big, loud Americans. And I got stage fright. I just couldn't pee in front of that many people. I got stage fright. I put my hand up. 
And then I drop my damn glove into the urinal. It's about minus 20 outside. So I'm thinking, do I get the glove or do I go sit outside and suffer? And I was like, mate, there's no way I'm picking that glove up out of that urinal. The glove can stay there in the urinal. And then I sort of left and I got back and the boy's looking at me going, mate, no, you're right. I said, yeah, look, I haven't been able to go. I got stage fright. Anyway, I lined up and used one of the stalls on the finish. Um, I think that was more my memory of the game rather than the actual game itself, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but I was very lucky when I was in Buffalo, actually. Um, at the time, Mark Maguire and Sammy Sosa were chasing Roger Maris's 61 home runs. And that was the big story. And that was Sports Illustrator was was Maguire and Sammy Sosa and chasing history. At the time, though, there was a, a quarterback that had just come out of the Canadian leagues. His name was Doug Flutie. Now, Doug Flutie won the Heisman Trophy for best, high school, best college football player back in 1984 when he threw a what they call a Hail Mary touchdown for Boston College. I'll get the boys to find it on YouTube. Doug Flutie, um, Boston College, 1984. It'll come up immediately. Anyway... He ends up winning the Heisman. He gets signed by the New England Patriots. He's quite short in stature. And so they sort of dismissed him and said, look, you're not going to be able to oversee the offensive-defensive lines. And his sort of NFL career stalled. So he went off to the Canadian leagues, Doug Flutie, and became the highest player in the Canadian leagues and broke all their records for yardage and running yards, etc. Anyway, at 30-odd years of age, he decides he wants to have one more crack at the NFL. So the Buffalo Bills pick him up as a second-string quarterback. And their star quarterback at the time picks up an injury. I'm just trying to remember his name. Uh, Rich. Rich. I'm not sure if that was his first or last name. Anyway, so they're playing Miami, their big rival. They're down. Quarterback gets injured. They bring on Doug Flutie. Now, in Canada, the fields are a lot wider, so they play in a much wider pocket. So, of course, he had learnt to run as a quarterback and run outside of the pocket, run a little bit more laterally. Of course, Flutie comes on, and they win this game, and they win it well, and Doug Flutie is the star. Flutie starts the next week, they win again. Suddenly takes the Bills through to the playoff, and this thing called Flutie fever just sweeps America. Flutie mania takes Maguire, takes Sazer off the cover of Sports Illustrated, and it's all about Doug Flutie. And he had these things called Flutie flakes, which are like a cornflake, and he had them and he'd set it up as a charity because I think his kid suffered from autism and it was about giving money to autism. Well, suddenly Flutie Flakes sold out across America. And I still actually have my original box of Flutie Flakes at home, never been opened, still got them. And um, as they say, the rest is history. And then he went on, had not a bad time with the San Diego Chargers, what was the Chargers at the time. And that's the story of Doug Flutie. That is my experience of the NFL. That's my experience of the Buffalo Bills. Have you got that piece of audio? Flutie flushed, throws it down, cut by Boston College, I don't believe it, it's a touchdown, the Eagles win it. There you go, Doug Flutie, Boston College, I'm going to get the boys to try and find the radio one because that's even more, that's, you know, radio you can be a lot more over the top as a commentator and it's a great moment, Doug Flutie, Boston College, Heisman Trophy winner, it's a really cool story. 22 minutes after three, you're listening to SENZ. We'll take a break. We'll come back with a bit more Doug Flutie.